The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Not I might not want, I don't think I'm going to want. No, when the Lord is your shepherd, you can't not want because he is your shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Not some crunchy, for you Texans, not some crunchy. Well, you lived in Houston. It was pretty green there, wasn't it? Sometimes, okay, well, I know there's some green parts of Austin, but I've been to Austin a few couple times, and there's some crunchy parts of Austin. All right, so he lets and makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside the still waters. Hebrew actually says literally, he leads us beside waters of quietness. Thou shall keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. That scripture does not change because your circumstance changed. That in the midst of all kind of pressure, when you think I'm going to fail, I'm going to just, you know, burst because there's so much pressure. Oh, no, no. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He is leading me. He is guiding me. A few verses down in the presence of my enemies, he prepares a table before me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me. Amen. Well, if the Lord is with you, can you really be afraid? No. I should say, if you are conscious and believe that God is with you or in you, could you really be afraid? Because the reality is sometimes... Uh, we kind of, I think, forget God lives on the inside of us and we get in the midst of something that is a fearful situation and we judge the outcome of the situation, which is called fear. We judge that outcome without God in the picture. Somebody actually said that fear is seeing your future with God absent, without God in it. But God never intended us to see, for us to see the future that way. Because he always planned for all of mankind to be in his family. And to be in his household. And to be under his protection. And to be under his help. That no matter what you've experienced. If you had like a, a faith failure. I like because I like to fly. Pastor Mark talks about um, you know the little black box. Which is hilarious. Because if you know anything about flying. The black box is actually orange in color. So when they're looking for the black box, they're actually looking for orange. He said they pull out the little black box, which has a voice recorder on there, and you know, then they listen to your voice, and they hear you say, right before you went down, the last word you say, I guess it's not going to work. I guess the Lord's not going to come through, right? Well, that's, you know, you have flesh, I have flesh. So if you catch yourself saying that, just say, well, I believe that's one of the stupidest things I've ever said. I am going to come through because God is on my side. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And you know, like, uh, you feel like because you're already acting in the flesh and responding to the lusts of the flesh. Lust of the flesh means like strong, your flesh has strong desires. Like your flesh doesn't really have a strong desire to pray. Your flesh really doesn't have a strong desire to feed on the word. You know, your flesh could be like, okay, I want to read the word, but your flesh wants to read it for like self-righteous reasons. 
But your flesh really doesn't want to feed on the word until you get over far enough into the things of God and then even your flesh is affected. Psalm 63 said that. David said, my soul longs for you, my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see your power and your glory. But if you've been living by the flesh too long or too much, your flesh, uh, was it uh, Stalker said, the flesh does not indeed easily submit to the the word of God or the things of God. In other words, your flesh is going to give you a fight. Your, Your fight is not with your spirit because if you are born again, your spirit has been completely recreated, not just like patched up, not just like polished up or washed up, but your spirit, actually, you've become a brand new creature in Christ Jesus or a brand new creature that is sustained and even came to life, was invigorated or breathed into by God himself, and actually you become, Corinthians tells us, one spirit with him in your spirit. But if, so if you, if you try to live your life from what your flesh wants to do or what your mind can figure out. Well, I can't figure that out, so I'm not going to do it. Most people don't have faith beyond where reason will allow them to go, which means most people aren't going to see a lot of God showing up in their life because they're not relying upon God wholly and solely. They're actually relying upon God as long as it makes sense. This is why some people never tithe, never give. Because their reasoning says, well, if I take money and give it away, I will have less money. Well, that's very short-sighted. Sometimes you give, you give, and the Lord like multiplies it right away. I was at Ramah like three years ago at Winter Bible Seminar. I was there more than that recently, but this was three or four years ago I was there. And there's these two young students. They're probably in their 20s. And, um, you know, the Lord laid it in my heart to give them, well, to give one of them $100. And when I gave it to him, the Lord said, give the other guy $100. So I ended up giving them both $100. Well, come to find out, they had given in the offering, and one of them had nothing to give. I think he gave, do you remember? Oh, he gave mints. All he had to sow was mints. God multiplied those mints, which probably cost less than a dollar, and gave him $100. He was like, you know, the Bible actually says that your giving causes great thanksgiving to God. You know what happened? This kid, like immediately, he's like, oh, thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. This is great. You know, I had nothing to give except this, and I gave. You know, sometimes you could give something like that and feel kind of ignorant. Why? Because you're thinking after the natural mind. But the the natural mind or man uh, does not receive the things of God because those things are of the spirit or spiritually discerned. Let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we'll begin in verse 6 and probably read all the way to verse 16. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6 through 16. How be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, or you could say mature, We speak wisdom among them that are mature or perfect, yet not the wisdom. Perfect would be like, you know, you've matured, you've come to full age, or you have like a fruit tree and it has matured so that now that fruit has matured, so now you can actually partake of it. It doesn't mean like that as a perfect tree, 
but it means like it's come to maturity or things that, you know, if you have uh, some financial things, once they have matured, then they can be used. Okay, so how be it? We speak wisdom among them that are perfect or mature. Wisdom, remember, is going to not just be knowledge, but it's knowledge that has the past and future in mind. So it's normally uh, knowledge of how what you're doing today affects the future. Word of wisdom is concerning. It's a supernatural gift of the Lord, operation of the Spirit of God that concerns the future, not the present, but has to do with the future. Okay, how be it? We speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world or those that are ruling in the world that come to naught or come to nothing. I don't know if I'm going to get through this, praise the Lord. Now that's one reason, like, you should not be uninvolved in politics if you're a believer, okay? But I hold a loose grip on politics. Because you would be surprised at how easy it is for even believers to put politics before God. Yeah. Well, so the wisdom of the world has come to nothing and of the princes of the world. So these people who like are, you know, quote unquote, are rulers, their wisdom is like coming to nothing, just so you know. Unless they're tapping into the wisdom of God. Yeah. But you can let politics affect your walk with God. So that if something bad happens, uh, no matter your political leanings, that you're having a bad day. You should know politics has too much influence on you then. Even if you work in politics. Especially if you work in politics. But we speak, verse 7, the wisdom of God in a mystery even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Huh. We speak the wisdom of God that God, he, he set this. He said, I ordained this before the beginning of the world for man's glory. That man would not live by his own abilities or by just a system that the world could bring, but actually man's glory would be my glory and man would actually be connected with me. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So he ordained this before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. I think you could almost read that, that nor have entered into the heart of the natural man or the natural-minded man or the man whose mind is set on things of the earth, not things above, because of what he says next. But God has revealed them to us, that's the believer, by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things. The Spirit, He searches all things. That's why you could listen to people speak. 
and you could actually uh, hear their words and you can know on the inside that is not true or there's something wrong with that or even though this sounds like I should put some money into this investment I just have someone on the inside or I have an unction on the inside or a witness on the inside don't do this don't go that direction Right? We're talking about, you know, a little bit about being led by the Spirit of God. And I love, you know, one of my favorite examples because I can so relate to it is uh, when Kenneth Hagin was first learning how to be led by the Spirit of God. He was uh, sitting down and he was writing a letter to a pastor to confirm that he was going to come speak at his church because he'd invited him, saw him at a, a minister's convention. And uh, so he's writing him to say, hey, yeah, um, here's the dates I have available. I'd love to come to your church. So he wrote the letter, started writing, and he got about halfway through the letter. And all of a sudden he just crumbled it up and threw it in the trash. Well, then a couple days later, he thought, you know, I really need to get back to him because, you know, I have to get a meeting scheduled and, you know, he's waiting to hear. I told him I would write him. So he starts writing again, gets about halfway, three quarters of the way through, crumbles up, throws in the trash. He does this three times. So finally, the Lord says to him, um, you know, I'm trying to teach you how to be led by my spirit. And the reason that you actually stopped and you weren't comfortable continuing to write that, you crumbled it up, is because I'm trying to tell you not to go to that church. Because your ministry, the way you'll be ministering when you get there, they will not accept your ministry. Well, how many times have you had something like that where you start to, uh, for me, for modern, uh, it happens on the positive and the negative. So I'll sit down to text somebody, and all of a sudden I start to text them, and you'd be like, don't do it. It's not a good time. Don't do that. Don't do that. Well, just recently, you know, I'm sitting down, comes up a couple times, you need to text this person, you need to text this person. So what happens? The second I sit down to text them, and I write, I have a flow of the Spirit of God. Just word after word after word after word after word. So the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, he's not really um, speaking to us in like bright, shining lights in like really loud stuff. He moves in loud stuff. I mean, heaven's gonna be loud, so if you don't like it loud, you know, uh, I'm not saying the volume in the auditorium. I've been around, only pastor for like, what, four, four and a half years, but I was associate pastor for so long. You find out, people talk about heaven being loud, and then the people that are not happy with the level of the audio, they say like, are you saying that to justify the audio level? <laughs> Uh, the church I was at in Michigan had like 7,000 people, and so I would get all the responses for like the audio levels and stuff like that, and everybody has a, a thought. And um, <laughs> you just try to do it in the middle the best you can. But needless to say, people are going to be praising and shouting in heaven. If you think we praise and shout here, wait till you get to heaven. <laughs> and um, Hallelujah. <laughs> I has not seen, neither have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them to us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. You want to know the deep things of God, you have to get acquainted with him through his spirit. You have to flow with his spirit, yield to his spirit. And, and you'll see some very deep things. You'll know some very deep things. Somebody say, well, we don't need to be deep. Because, uh, uh, you know, we can just be shallow. No, the, 
the Bible actually just said that God has prepared these things for them that he loved before the foundation of the earth. He ordained these things that we should walk in them. You're going to have people, especially in a church, you have people all different stages of spiritual development and spiritual growth. Uh, when you are born again, uh, you're not born again a baby spirit. Like so that a baby spirit can't actually receive a miracle or anything like that. That's not how you're born again. But yet, Paul talks about spiritual growth, spiritual development. That there is like the babyhood stage, the childhood stage, and the manhood stage. And those stages really have to do with spiritual godly character development. The way you know that is if you can look at the, the book of Corinthians and what Paul wrote to the Corinthians who were like really used in the manifestations and gifts of the spirit. But were some of the most immature people. In fact, they were not even childhood stage. They were babyhood stage. Because Paul said, you're not ready for meat. Uh, you still have to be fed on milk. Why? Well, you fed on the milk that you may grow thereby. So what? Well, a baby uh, or a child is easily offended. Right? A baby or a child will just talk, 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 talk. So what happens? Well, that baby, that child, has just as much access into the presence of God as uh, a more mature believer or a perfected believer, like the Bible would say, right? But that little baby gets in there, and that little baby is going to be talking, talking, talking. And that little child is going to be talking, 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 while the God of all wisdom <laughs> is walking in love with that child and has such great gifts and great understandings and the deep things to offer. But the child is not in a position to receive because the child is talk, 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 talk. Well, God wants to hear what you have to say, but how much more do you want to hear what he has to say? Right? So that's kind of like a little rabbit trail, they call that in preaching. But that's a really important one because sometimes people get the stages of spiritual development or growth. In other words, Tiger Woods. It's funny, you're preaching, you can't even think of who he is. That's the golfer, right? Yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> I thought so, but I don't want to get it messed up. And I know like, if I wasn't preaching, I could tell you that in a second. Okay. So he just won the Masters, right? They call this like one of the greatest comebacks in sporting history or something like that. And so he just won the Masters after he had this terrible time. I mean, he, don't judge him. He's dealing with his flesh, all kind of problems, stuff like that, right? And he comes back. So uh, he just had one of the greatest wins. But do you know like Tiger Woods, he has surpassed, what, except for maybe Nicholas. He has some other records. See, he still has to because so many times Nicholas has won certain things. And again, I don't follow it real closely. So if I'm talking real ignorant to you, I apologize. <laughs> If you're like, he does not know what he's talking about. Just, just get the generality of the illustration. <laughs> so Tiger Woods, he didn't just show up on a green and was awesome and could just do this. Yet he has this amazing talent that had to be developed. But he had it in him. And so we have within us the greatest being that exists. And we have become pretty amazing. I think when we get to heaven and like the veil that we see through now is lifted and we can actually see clearly and distinctly that we'll see who we were on the inside and we will be like, whoa, I thought I knew some of it. I didn't know anything. Mm -hmm. 
I know nothing, I know nothing, right? So that you're like, whoa. But you have to develop in the things of the Spirit and in the things of God. What does that mean? Well, it's not just overnight that you learn how to yield to the Spirit of God. You learn, I would call it like the flow of flowing with Him. Now, you're made to flow with him. You're designed to flow with him. But if you are like, um, if you're approaching every situation through your intellect, and so you're going to research and Google and go to the Library of Congress, and does anybody do that anymore? (laughs) Yes, okay, praise the Lord. (laughs) They physically go in there? Okay, so if you're going to like do all of that, and you just, you do all that, but you're not going to look to the Word of God. And when looking to the Word of God, look to your spirit. Because uh, Proverbs 20, 27, we learn that the spirit of man, or a human spirit, is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Or in other words, the innermost part of who we are. The real you, when it comes down to the foundation of everything that you are. On the inside, God's spirit, he will use our spirit as his candle or his light. In other words, to light our path so we understand. Uh, Psalm 18, David said, the Lord will light my candle. Then I will run through a troop and jump over a wall. In other words, I'll do things that man thought impossible as soon as God lights me up. Well, God is trying to light you up now. Uh I don't mean like, doesn't that mean like I'm going to beat you up too? No, I don't know. Anyhow. (laughs) I mean like give you light. (laughs) So, but like Tiger Woods, amazing talent, amazing athlete. But you could say he yielded to something that was given to him. Or to something that he was created to be. Well, we have been recreated in Christ Jesus, but if we keep trying to live like we have been created by our parents, well, then we'll only have what our parents could offer, the limited uh, things that the world could bring us, when actually we have access to all the goodness and grace and mercy and help and strength and protection of God himself, the very source of his life. John 17. John chapter 17, Jesus is praying, and Jesus is praying to his father, uh, Jehovah God. It says, verse 1, These words Jesus spoke and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you. You realize when we are glorified by God, he gets glory? As you have given him power over all flesh that he should give... Eternal life, or Greek word is aeonius zoe, and zoe is the life and nature of God himself. In other words, what is the quality of life that God possesses or that God is? Are there defects in that life? Are there defects in that nature? No, there are no defects in that life, no defects in that nature, no lack of power, no lack of ability, no lack of understanding, 
Uh, it's like the highest quality substance you could actually get. Jesus said, this is the whole reason I came. The whole reason I showed up on the scene is that you might have this and that you would have it in abundance. Well, if you understand anything about the life and nature of God, it is impossible to have the life and nature of God and not have it in abundance because it is of God himself. And God is not a God of uh, less than enough. He is El Shaddai. He is God, our El Shaddai, our more than enough. In other words, we approach this situation, we say, uh, I don't have what it takes to do this. That is just an indication, if you are born again, that you are looking at your uh, reasoning, your mind, your will, your emotions, or your body for the answer. You're not looking to the inside to where God lives on the inside of you. So what I like to do if I do that is I'll be like, I don't think I can do this. As soon as that thought comes, or worse yet, those words come out of my mouth, then I'll just keep speaking. I'll say, but God lives on the inside of me and who I am in Christ Jesus, this is not even a fair fight. It's not even a fair situation because this situation has already been triumphed over and defeated by Jesus Christ and by who I am in him. So much so that actually Colossians says that the things of the evil one and the things of the evil world have actually been stripped down to nothingness. One translation says they were actually marched naked in front of all reality to see that they were nothing and had no power. Yet, if you go by what it feels like, it feels like you're going to be defeated. Remember Elijah and his servant? The servant's like, he's looking just at the natural. Well, you can't really blame him because in that time, only the prophet, priest, and king had the Holy Spirit upon them, not even within them, right? We have the Spirit of God on the inside of us, which we're getting ready to read here in Corinthians, that actually will show us all things, teach us all things, guide us into all things. In other words, we're not, Jesus said in John chapter 14, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you without the power that I, that, that I am, my own spirit inside of me. He said, remember, he said in John chapter 14, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send another comforter to you. Do you know that the words of Jesus, as your natural mind understands the word comfort, the words of Jesus to disciples were not always comforting. <laughs> yeah. like when he said uh, that same passage in John chapter 14 you know it's going to be better for you that I leave they're natural and thinking like a natural man so they're like no it's not in fact I'm going to go with you yeah. Peter's like uh, uh, uh. I, I lived without you before and now I've been living with you I'm not going to live without you and Jesus is like, you don't understand. You're just impressed by what it's like to be around me. Wait until I get in you. Wow. <laughs> like, you're just influenced by me from outside. You're seeing what I'm doing. You're sensing the power and the presence among you. I've even delegated some of my authority to you. But wait until I shall be what? In you. Now, 
you, you want to get close to somebody? Like you find someone you think like they're amazing. I just want to be friends with them. I want to get to know them. They have so much wisdom. You cannot be closer to anyone than you can be to God himself because you actually get recreated in him, by him, with him. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 in the Amplified Translation said, I will live in and with and among you. In you, with you, among you. So like, he is among us now. And he is with us now, but he is, if you are born again, he is in you. Amen. So you look for help from the inside, uh, from your recreated spirit. God will use your spirit, and he is using your spirit, whether you're aware of it or not, if you're born again. He is using your spirit to lead and guide you in the big parts and the little parts of life. Why? Why is it not affecting you? I could hear your thought. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> because that's not where your focus is. Your focus is on the outward man. Your focus is on reasonings. And if your focus is there, uh, you're not going to hear the things of God because God is not a mind. God is a spirit. God's not a mind. He's a spirit. Okay, I didn't get to where I wanted to. So, uh, it should give them eternal life or the life and nature of God, to as many as you have given him. Now listen to this. And this is life eternal, or this is the life and the nature of God, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You know Paul's prayer in Ephesians, I love Ephesians chapter 1 prayer. I love Ephesians 3 prayer too, but right now my favorite is Ephesians 1. Because uh, obviously the Lord's trying to get some through to me. <laughs> and as your pastor, apparently to you as well. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1, that you would give unto me. I like to personify it, make it personal. You know, Paul's praying that, that uh, God would give unto you, but you can pray those prayers for yourself that you would give unto me, what? A spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. That sounds a lot like what Jesus prayed to God the Father in John chapter 17, that this is Zoe, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So there's something about knowing God. All right, back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, 6 through 16. And we will pick up um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses, uh, I got to figure out where I left off. Verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, thank you. Verse 10. But God has revealed them to us by his spirit. Not by his mind, not by his body, but by his spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Verse 11. For what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? In other words, you can't even know yourself unless you're looking to your spirit. You'll be like, what is wrong with me? Why am I acting that way? Why am I doing that? Well, if you don't look to the inside, you're just going to like some, have some natural reasoning and figure out, well, it's because how my mama talked about me when I was in the womb. <laughs> For what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. 
Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. In other words, you won't even know the great gifts and the great things that God has actually given to us if you don't know those by the Spirit, if you try to grab hold with the natural mind. That's why in this series I said, and you know, it adds some uh, paying attention value because when you say something that people are not expecting, including yourself, you're like, huh? You actually didn't listen to what somebody said, which is that you can read the Word of God every day for the rest of your life and have zero faith. Because faith does not come by reading the word of God alone. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God or hearing by the rhema of God. In other words, you could have someone that doesn't know the Lord at all and if the spirit of God does not get involved with them, they will never know him. Well, you could also know God, be born again. But you try to read the word without the Holy Spirit and you will get no understanding from God. You could still read the word with your natural mind. Now, it's dangerous to do that if you don't want to get the things of God because the more you meditate in the things of God, then the more God has his word to make real to you. Right? So we're not just talking about like, uh, I'm out there, okay, Lord, speak to me. Well, he primarily speaks to you through his written word. But he speaks, if he speaks to you through his written word, it is no longer a written word, it is a rhema word. In other words, it is no longer just words on a page. That has light that has been put on it by the Spirit of God himself. The entrance of his words gives light and understanding. Well, when that light and understanding comes, that is the Lord speaking to you. And there, faith is present. Now faith is the substance, Hebrews 11, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So if you want some substance, and you need substance, when you're in a test, a trial, or you got like a dire situation, uh, you don't need just some, you have to have hope. If you don't have hope, you'll never have substance. What, what Moffat Moffat actually says, now faith means that we are confident of what we hope for, convinced of what we do not see. That's like A.B. Simpson, the example I started the message with. He was convinced of what he did not see. I'm going to read Cotton Patch. Now faith is the turning of dreams into deeds. In other words, if you don't first have a dream, if you don't first have a hope, if you don't first have a desire, well, you're not going to have faith for it. Hebrews 11.1 tells us that. Now faith is the substance. It's the substance of what we what? Hoped for or what we desire. Do you not like your hope, your desire, your dream is actually what gets you into the presence of God? What's that? Hebrews 6.19. Hope, the anchor for your soul, which enters into within the veil. In other words, if you don't even have a desire to get in the presence of God and pray, you're not going to get there. In other words, if you want to get in the presence of God, you need to cultivate a desire to get there. And man, that desire will usher you right in and faith will connect you. Why? Because faith gives substance to that desire. 
So what is, what is faith in that? If I'm going to pray to God, if I'm going to get in the presence of, now I think it's like, like a cliche phrase. I wish I could find a better way to say it that would give a different view of it. Uh, so Lord, give us utterance for that. But what I'm saying is if you're going in the presence of God, you're going to get there by faith. But you're not going to get there without a desire. Because faith is the substance of that. And faith, the working definition of faith, during this series that I'm talking about, is faith is doing whatever you hear God say or whatever he reveals to you. So if you heard God say, call unto me and I will answer you. Or if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If that is real to you, well, what will happen? You'll say, Father, I'm asking you right now in the name of Jesus to give unto me a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. And because knowing that, you have a desire once you see that. And that desire is like a tractor beam that kind of pulls you in. It's saying, oh, come, come, right? It's Jesus, come unto me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so that desire, that hope is good. But if you just have that hope, like, I know if I just prayed, God would answer but I don't have time to pray. I've got too much pressure right now. I have to do this other stuff right now. I have to do the laundry right now. Uh, I have to call this person right now. That is not faith. But you have to have that desire, right? So you have that desire and your faith is, is actually doing it. Your faith expressed is, oh, Father God. And I know when I say that, in the name of Jesus, he has to hear me. Not because I'm requiring him to hear me, because he's requiring him to hear me. In other words, he set it up that way. He's in charge, I'm not. So he's the one that said that that's the way it is. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Ephesians 1.17 prayer in a message translation actually says, but I do more than thank, I ask, and I ask God the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. Amen. Stand with me if you would. We can and should, and really whether we understand it or not, we do know God personally if you are born again. Jesus said in John 14, 17, you know him. He actually, he said, that's where he's talking about uh, what I was saying before, the comforter's gonna come, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of reality. And he's like, you already know him because he's been with you and he's gonna be in you. Like, you've been around him, so you're acquainted with him, what he's like, well, what he does, like you've actually seen him through me and he's gonna be in you. But the only way he's in you is if you receive Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way to God, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. The only way to get to God is through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He is everything to us that God said he was. His spirit is. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You, you can know him and you can know God personally. That God is not someone who is far off, 
who is aloof and so much better than you that he doesn't, you know, he, he actually wants to spend time with you so badly that he sacrificed his one and only son so that he could be with you and you could be with him for all eternity. God loves you and he has a plan for your life. If you're here this morning and you do not know him, don't believe the lie that there's always tomorrow and I can wait till tomorrow. Don't believe the lie that you're not good enough and you're not clean enough and you're just doing a bunch of sinful things so God doesn't want you. No, actually, while we were all doing a bunch of sinful things, while we were sinners, that's the moment Christ died for us. And so he is not taking your sins and counting them up and saying, oh, that's another one, that's another one, that's another one, that's another one. No, actually, Corinthians tells us the same place that says that anyone that's in Christ is a new creature, Corinthians tells us that he has actually accounted it up and said, according to what Jesus did for them, they are not guilty. But the way that you receive that is by receiving Jesus Christ. If you'd like to receive Jesus Christ this morning as your Lord, as your Savior, slip up your hand. I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you. God loves you, and he has an awesome plan for your life. Number two, if you're here this morning, and... You, you were a believer, but you, you kind of really got away from the things of God. You let other things slip in and push uh, your relationship with God way to the side, maybe even push it out. If that's you and you'd like to come back this morning, slip up your hand. Hallelujah. He loves you. Man, as soon as you decide that, <laughs> he's got everything ready for you. Pre-prepared ahead of time because he believes in you. And number three, if you're here this morning and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit... I'd like to invite you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You'll begin to speak in other tongues. Uh, when the Holy Spirit comes, shows up in His fullness, he, you shall speak, Jesus said. And so if you'd like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit this morning, receive the power of God to be a witness, to live your life as a believer, and I want you to slip up your hand and I'll pray with you and for you. And God will do a work in your life. And you will be filled with the Spirit. If that's you this morning, slip up your hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you that you are a good God and that you're a personal God, that our relationship with you is not like a distant authority figure, but, Father, that our relationship with you is like a father with a child. Father, that we can come to you anytime, day or night, with the things that are huge in our eyes and the things that are little in our eyes. And Father, that you care about us and for us with affection, that you're watching out for us every part of our lives. Father, we just cast all of our cares upon you because you care for us. We just declare we believe you. We believe you in every situation of our lives. Father, we thank you for a your word and for your spirit. And I do pray over every one of us listening, Father, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you for knowing you intimately, deeply in our inward man, for acknowledging you in all of our ways that you could direct our paths, that you are our shepherd and we do not want for ability, we do not want for opportunity, and we never want for money that you provide for us in every arena of our life. I thank you, Father, for healthy bodies, quickened minds, quickened quicken bodies, 
that we are who you say we are, that you live on the inside of us, that you lead us, you guide us. As we go this week, Father, help us to pay extra attention to your leadership and your guidance so that we can walk out in faith and see miracles in our life and in the lives of all of those that we come in contact with that will receive what you have given us for them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.